Welcome back to the year-end finale of HR Talk. It's my pleasure to be back here with you. I'm JC, the co-host of the show, all the way up in the deep northern tundra of the United States. So far north, we do see Canada at the end of the street. And heading all the way to the deep, deep south. You can't go souther than what he is. Well, maybe you can, just by a couple hours. Well, please welcome the man, the myth, the legend, the guy who does HR for a living and likes to talk about it constantly. I just make him sound good. It's Ricky Bias. If I look up, I can see Georgia. <laughs> yes, you can. If you look up, I really can. It's, it's <laughs> like that discussion we had one time going back not too long ago, where uh, where you're like, "Yeah, I like going. Uh, I like going to the right to watch the sunrise." I'm like, "What are you talking about, man? What are you talking about?" Yeah, then we go to the left coast. We go left. Well, I mean, for the if sunset. you're facing where I'm facing, you'll understand. Yeah, good job in trying to understand other people's points of view, JC. <laughs> you How you me. doing, brother? Hey, I'm doing good, man. It's good to hear you. Good to see you back here. I know that you're just getting off a bender uh, with the holidays. <laughs> uh, time with the in-laws, I presume? Dude, I'm Puerto Rican, man. So in my culture, we celebrate all the way from Thanksgiving or Sangiving until mid-January or Tres Reyes, which is what we do. And we're still going strong. Uh, obviously, this year's a little bit different. Uh, a lot less interaction. A lot more coquito. A lot more coquito. So it's working. Pretty oh, good. Oh, oh my gosh! The Santa Claus, the Santa Claus. He came to your house, didn't he, Ricky B? The Santa visited you. Yeah. Well, Already? I guess he's leaving now, right? He's okay. going back up to Georgia or whatever. Well, I mean, what did, well, what I mean, did Santa bring you? What did the Santa guy bring you? You know what? It, it's here's here's what's funny. Tell me. Um, in the past eight ten years, um. For me, Christmas is less less about me and my and, and my wife, and more about my kid, right? But uh, so I normally don't expect anything. But this year, I guess I've been a pretty good boy. Got me uh, some stuff for the grill. Got me some cast iron skillets, which I do love. Um, so yeah, so I got just a lot of stuff for for, for my backyard. I'm, which, ju- uh, I'm just thinking about how tough it is to make hot pockets on the skillet. Like- but you know what? I make it look good though. I make I make gourmet hot pockets with puree, whatever it is, puree cheese. There you go. You're like an artist of food. I tell you, like the things that you do. Let me tell you. Does Subway own that sandwich artist? That's what it is. Sandwich artist. Yeah, but that's not a real artist. Not like the type of artist that we have on the show today to wrap up this year. And we're talking about someone who's not just like a. I I partly want to say like a fine artist, but. But it's so much more than that. It's not even impressionist. It's, it's, it's holistic in a way. This, this person that we have been blessed with the opportunity to speak with has such an amazing story. And I can't wait to get into it, but we will belabor it just, just a touch longer here while I set this up. She, she's a mom. She's, she's an independent woman. She's been through a lot in her life and, and built her own brand. And then also grew from that brand to build yet another brand, empowering other women along the way. Ricky, we've talked about this a million times, but now we have someone who's actually living it on with us today. I, I feel blessed, let me tell you. Before we get into that and before the introduction of our guest today, it's time. 
for those inspirational quotes with Ricky Bias. Quotes let you see life from another perspective. They can expand the mind and awareness. These are inspirational quotes. Let's get you back. Rule of thumb for holiday leftovers. If it smells like sweaty socks, put it back in the fridge. I'm I'm a touch speechless with that one. Like normally I have a lot to say. I have literally nothing to say on the heels of that inspirational quote. Ricky, this has become our sixth favorite segment of the program. I can't thank you enough for continuing to do it no matter what happens. You're welcome. It's it's fantastic. Caught me off guard. I forgot about it. <laughs> now, ladies and gentlemen, without I know I keep catching you off guard with that one. I kind of thought you'd be prepared by now. Without <laughs> further really. ado, please welcome our guest for the program this week. Straight from Devon, Florida. Please welcome Jetty Bryant. I feel like you should introduce me everywhere I go. <laughs> I would love to walk into every room like that. <laughs> I think we could make the, that happen. I think there's a way to make that happen. This- the DMV Publix. <laughs> oh, that would be amazing in public. <laughs> oh, that is awesome. Paninis at Wawa, you know, yes. right behind Oh, her. my God, yes. <laughs> that would be great. Jennifer, how are you today? I am uh, amazing. I have a little bit of a sore throat, so my voice is a little wonky, of course, on the day I'm doing an interview, but... <laughs> All good. All good. Um, now, the audience can't see you, but they can definitely hear you. Um, so I will describe to the audience what JC and I are seeing. Um, you are bundled up. You've got a nice, a nice, beautiful scarf on. you got a jacket on. You look like you are enjoying the sunshine state, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm I'm freezing. <laughs> Absolutely you freezing. My hands are like ice. They're like so cold. In the lead up to the show, you were describing how much further north you are than Ricky, how it must be freezing where you're at, right? Yeah, we're practically on a different hemisphere. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of feels like it. It's okay. All right. So so Ricky, though, Ricky just described the beautiful scarf. He's describing a, a little bit of the attire that we could see over the camera today. The people listening to the show just might not have that visual of right now. And when we... We talk about style when we talk about uh, finding a way to feel the best or look the best or do the best of what you're at. That's that's partly kind of well, that that's the direction of, of where you're headed nowadays. Right. Yes, for sure. Um, it, do you. Well, I think it's fascinating how that started, because I've always liked to dress up and I have a degree in fashion design, but I never was going to really do anything with it. And then um, people just kept talking about my clothes and what I wear and all that kind of stuff and hitting me up like, oh, you should help me get dressed and and stuff like that. And then it just kind of like went from there. Listen, if I had a dime for people asked that of me, <laughs> I'd, I'd have a dime, you know? No, but really. <laughs> so, so <a> you, <laughs> right. 
two nickel, <laughs> two nickels from friends for sharing shirts. You know. There you go. Uh, but, but you are technically and officially the budget bombshell, right? This is my new gig. Yeah, my side, my new side gig. New side gig. New. Everyone's yeah. got to have a side hustle. This is your new side hustle, and we're going to be is. getting yeah. into that coming up a little bit more momentarily. Let's take that. Let's set it aside, and let's let's go back over to you, Rick. Let's find out a little bit more about who this person is. Who is Jenny Bryan? So, Jennifer, you said that you got a degree in fashion in fashion design. Um, mm-hmm. What what about that industry said, you know what, let me spend millions of dollars in college for that degree? <laughs> so what's really crazy is when I was in high school, I was hell bent on. Oh, can I say that? Word? Yeah, you can. Yeah, this okay. is podcast. We got right. five minutes. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was really uh, I really wanted to be a massage therapist. And I remember my mother saying to me, but you don't actually like to touch people and you don't like people to touch you. And I was like, hmm, that's a fly in the ointment. So (laughs) this woman, I always, I always dressed up crazy in school and, um, and was really creative. And I was always into art class and stuff. And this woman had come to my high school and she was representing a business school and, um, fashion design was a part of it. And when she started describing the program, I thought it's in Boston. It's only an hour North from my parents' house. So it was a way for me to be independent without being totally alone. You know, they were kind of close, but I could still have my own thing. And I thought it sounded very exciting. Okay. So now wait a I second. Said, Let's do it. <laughs> Jenny, you, you said Boston an hour North. So Boston, Florida, like somewhere near central Florida. Or something? I mean, where, where are you talking? Near Boston and Florida. Yeah. Right. Just a little north. Uh, up. Up. <laughs> <laughs> see? Above Georgia. Told you. Look up, you'll see it. So where are you yeah. originally from? So I'm from um, a tiny little uh, town called Newton, New Hampshire. And it's an hour north of Boston. Big shout out to friends and family in Newton, New Hampshire, if you're still out there. And all three, all three thousand of them in my town. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Okay, so, so, so you grew up north. Um, so college brought you down here. What, what, what brought you down to the Sunshine? So I was working in a clothing store. Uh, so I had graduated from college. I backpacked Europe by myself for a couple of months, and then when I came back, I, um, I got a job in a clothing store in the mall, and I was a manager there, and. I had been trying to work in their home office because I wanted to work in New York City and I thought it would be really exciting being in the fashion industry there. And then uh, they they didn't have a position for me, but they were kind enough to keep flying me out there um, and giving me the experience of interviewing. And I met the president of the company and, and all that. And uh, But I was getting impatient because I was 21 and I was young and I thought that I had a lot more to give than they were taking advantage of. So, um, I was talking on the phone to my girlfriend who lived in Orlando and I said, what are you doing? And she said, you know, I'm sweating down here. It's so hot. And it was in, uh, late May, I think it was. And in late May in new England, it's still cold. (laughs) (laughs) It's still chilly. So I said, that's it. I'm going to give my two weeks notice and I'm coming down to move there with you. And she said, whatever. And I said, don't dare daredevil. 
So um, I went in the next day and I gave my two weeks notice and I drove down in my car. I took two months to drive down the East Coast. And then um, I landed in Daytona with, uh, I think, $13 in my pocket. Um, and the girl that I was supposed to move in with, it didn't work out. She um, couldn't post me for some reason. So yeah. my parents wouldn't give me any money to come home. My mother said, when you come home, you should come home because you're ready, not because you don't have any money. And she said, if you come home now, you'll feel like a loser and you're not a loser. You're a winner. Yeah. So I had to, uh, she said, I don't know what the problem is. You have a car you can sleep in. <laughs> <laughs> I love so, the silver linings. <laughs> I love it. So I had to, I, I, there was a girl that I had gone to college with that I heard lived in Daytona. So I called information back when you could call 411. Yeah. And uh, and she answered the phone and I said, hey, let's do lunch because I figured well, I got 13 bucks <laughs> to <laughs> eat lunch with. And we met for lunch and she I told her basically within a couple of minutes, like my dire situation. And she said, well, I'm moving to Tampa, but you can stay here. We're literally moving in four days, but you can stay here for four days. And within that four days, I got a job. I found, uh, two roommates who it was mid month and they need, they didn't require rent for another two weeks. So I worked my tail off <laughs> and, and I still don't have enough money to go home. <laughs> okay. All right. We have to unpack a couple things right here. You yes, talked about, do. yeah, yes. you talked about like backpacking Europe. I, I think you even said, but I don't know if you yeah. went by yourself or with a group. I did. I did. By yourself. All by myself. And, and, and then we also talked about a two-month road trip to get to Florida. Let's let's unpack yeah. both those things. Let's yeah. start with Europe real quick. So yeah. so you went you after graduating, you said, I'm I'm headed overseas. I'm gonna go to Europe. Uh, my my parents gave me the the uh, plane ticket over as a graduation gift from college. And the deal was I had to um pay for all my money like while I was there, you know, any, any of that kind of stuff, but they would buy me the ticket. And what they did was, um, they gave me a round trip ticket for like two weeks so that just in case I did two weeks and I got homesick and, or it was too scary, I could come home. Or they said I could just not get on the plane and just let it ride. And so I did not get on the plane and I backpacked. I did, um, like six different countries. Um, and stuff by myself, yeah. So I have to ask, what is the most scariest thing you've seen over there by yourself? So hands down, uh, I had met this, I met a lot of really cool people. And I met these uh, these guys and uh, on a train. And um, I ended up like hanging out with them in Munich for a couple of days, mm -hmm. um, going on like field trips, basically. And um, meanwhile, I was staying in a youth hostel in a co-ed room with a giant, it was a giant bunk bed, five on the top, five on the bottom. It was co-ed. And uh, so wait a second, like so, one bunk bed, like a, yeah, a king size over so, a king size, like five people in the top bed together. It was, a, it was the, so picture a bunk bed that is five twin beds smushed together, but it was one whole thing. So they called the room mini Dachau because the concentration camp near there is called Dachau. And that's how they housed yeah. the, um, the prisoners, oh, really, wow. the um, people that were kept there. 
You stop at a youth hostel that's named after a concentration camp. Well, that room, the room was called Mini Dachau. As a, you know, like, that was like whatever. They were like, oh, you're in Mini Dachau. And it was that room. Yeah. And I actually did go to Dachau with those guys. Um, and they they don't have the barracks aren't there anymore. Uh, but they had pictures. And it looked just like it, except a bigger version. Wow. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. So, uh, okay. So the scary thing. So when I was with, so I'm hanging out with these guys. We went to a couple museums or whatever. And then, um, we were with it. They were with a huge group of, uh, you know, young people. And there was probably like 15 of them or something like that. I think they might've worked together. I can't remember, but, um, so I'm talking to the two guys in the back and, we're just talking, talking, talking. It was a rainy day. And the girls in the front, I guess they decided to run across the street because they thought they could make it before the car, the next car was coming. And because we were all talking and laughing, the girls in, behind them didn't even look. They just were following the group. And uh, one of the girls got hit by the car. And it is by far the most horrific thing I've ever seen in my life. She got hit and it, it hit her, it like threw her up in the air about six feet. And then she came down on the hood and rolled off and she was just crumpled like a rag doll. And the scariest thing about it was that then she tried to get up. So her body was at weird angles and she tried to pull herself up and she was moaning and it, it was, it was really horrifying. So that definitely was the scariest thing I saw. And I wanted to come home. I ended up going home. Uh, we went to, actually, we went to Zakao that day. I cried the entire time I was there. And then I called my mom when I got back to the youth hostel. And I was like, I'm homesick. I want to come home. And I told her what happened. And I was like, I'm just so freaked out. And um, and she said, you can't come home on this note. You have to do something else. So she said, I'm going to, we're going to send you the ticket and you have a choice. You can either go to like, uh, Rome for a day, or you could fly from where you are, but give it an extra day. So I decided to fly from where I was, but I, um, before I went to, uh, Salzburg, Austria, so I hopped on a, a train and went to Salzburg the next morning and spent the whole day doing sound of music stuff. And then when I went home, <laughs> I had, I had the sound of music following me. You know, so I did let you leave so it like, on a really, really like literally you just went into the middle of a field and like ran around. Yeah. She saw horrific uh, no, I actually found a bunch of small children and made them wear matching clothes and <laughs> sing with me everywhere we went. That's I how it. I roll. I love it. I don't do anything small. <laughs> Wait, I'm sorry. I I have to ask. I'm sorry to go back. Is that girl okay? Did she pass away or is she still um, Okay, so I only kept in touch with those guys uh, for a very short period of time, and apparently her legs were completely shattered. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah, it was awful. And because she didn't have her passport on her person, the rule in Germany at that time was that they couldn't leave the ambulance, so the ambulance sat there until the girls with her ran back to the youth hostel, got her passport, and came back. It was, it was horrifying. Wow. Keep your passport on you. Yeah. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah. So it was very scary. Dude, I'm sorry. But, I, um, I love the nuggets of wisdom your mom gives you. 
So she, yeah, she's a very night. interesting lady. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so awesome. leading up to, to heading overseas and the purchase of the ticket like that. I mean, at this point in your life, you're young. You want to see the world. You want to do your things. But there's got to be a, a large sense of like family togetherness. Like, what? Your family's been there for, for thousands of years, right? In this town of 300 people? Or, or I mean, how, how well rooted is the family unit? Did you grow up saying, I need to get out of here? Did you have a yearning? Or was it just like, ah, let me, as the wind carries me, I'm going to go see the world and do some things? I always, I always, um, I guess I kind of related to Cinderella. I thought eventually someone would come and rescue me from growing up in this uh, tiny town in New Hampshire. And I was, we were, we didn't have a lot of money and we lived in a house that was falling apart, literally falling apart. And, um, my dad is a character. He's a typical New England man, but he's also that times 10. So, uh, everything was just suck it up, buttercup. That's how I was raised. So, um, I, you know, we didn't have heat in the summertime. We didn't have running water or electricity um, and stuff. So I had uh, illusions of grandeur, dreams, dreams of grandeur yeah, and, uh, and stuff. So, yeah, I always wanted to do like something really amazing. <laughs> now, I, I was joking around a bit, but I mean, is your family New England rooted like all the way back to the Mayflower times? Like I know a lot of people. I'm originally from up that way as well. Like a lot of so, people have been there forever. Is it the same with your family? Yeah. So on both sides. So on my my mother's side, um, we were on the Mayflower. There was a uh, my grandmother was part of the descendants of the Mayflower group. Wow. And then on my dad, uh, I forget the name. My son did a project about it one time in school. Um, but then uh, in on my dad's side, uh, one of my ancestors was um, hung. Um, in the Salem witch trial. So Mary Esty. So yeah, so we're, we're in New England. <laughs> we're in New England. Guys. <laughs> wow. It just I, took I, a few, I, few generations to like actually get away from it though. That's all. That's all. I'm the first one, I think. Yeah. Wow. Ricky, I'm sorry. I cut you off. Go ahead. Brother. No, 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 no. It's good. It's good. It's just, it's, I, I, I find it's really, really fascinating, especially that history, that lineage going back up in uh up north and it's so you went uh to europe you experienced some things you saw some uh something horrific but it's nonetheless a really good experience so now talk us through your two-month trip from new england hang on a second second. we we can't gloss over something right here so what i I don't want to give away all your secrets but when were you in europe or what are we talking like uh five years ago two years ago now i'm 44 now so 20 24 years ago uh 2000 no 2000 1990 24 years ago 96 yeah. 24 years ago was the first time i went to europe i've been a couple of times oh so okay we were there jc we were there 98 99 so we missed yeah. it by a couple of years yeah so all right yeah we were in um greece we were in israel uh so oh, spain so you went to all the places where dark haired people are. I <laughs> I did not go to any of those countries. Look, Jennifer, we had no choice. We were in a big gray ship and people yelled at us what to do. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so we we were we went there not uh it, it, it's uh it was just part of the group we were with in the Marine Corps. Yeah. I would love to I would love to do that. I actually wanted to go 
to um, Italy and Spain. And when I met people, they said, don't go by yourself because you're blonde. And, um, oh. you know, you might you might get harassed a little bit mm. at that time. You know, maybe it's different now. I don't know. But I mean, I don't know. It's uh, you could just die. <laughs> Right? over there. Just dye your hair. Your I'm gonna show you. Hey, so here's hoping on the heels of Corona, you do get that opportunity to get over there. Yeah, would be absolutely fantastic. Ricky, you were talking. You were about to ask about the two month road trip with thirteen dollars. Yeah, I I want to know how that works. I mean, did you tell your friend, hey, I'm gonna drive down to uh, Daytona. I'm gonna take ninety five, but I gotta make a quick pit stop in uh, California. Right. So how does that work? <laughs> I basically I did, wasn't going to spend any money on hotels. Okay. So I stayed with friends and family along the way, and I would stay one place. And like I stayed at my aunt's house. She had a, a house that she was not staying in at the time, um, because they had a, a couple houses. So she, I stayed at her house in uh, North Carolina in a really cute little town, and I, you know, I kind of um, I make I meet meet friends everywhere I go. So I would meet people and then we'd go out to dinner and, you know, and explore the area and all that kind of stuff. So I basically, I basically made friends the whole down the East coast. So so then all the East coast, I-95, come on down, you enter Florida, right? The Georgia, Florida line, you see that big sign that says, welcome to the sunshine state. You got a couple of more hours till you hit Daytona. Oh, wait, though, oh. you still got to get past that south of the border restaurant motel landmark place, though. I mean, everyone sees oh, that for the first stop. time. You have they to stop. stop. There's, oh. no, there's no driving by. Oh, God, that place is hideous. <laughs> I stopped there one time and that thing was hideous. It is, but it's so wonderfully hideous. Like, you have That's to take the picture crazy. with the with the hat. Crazy. You have to do it. I mean, it's yeah. an American treasure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, sure. I mean, you know, Europe has like Stonehenge and like the Leaning Tower of Pisa, and we have South of the Border. <laughs> I feel like that's our legacy that we're going to leave is <laughs> South of the Border. I love it. Look, all these historical landmarks, these world renowned historical landmarks, and South of the Border, right? South of the Border. I-95 with 13 bucks in your pocket. Yep. <laughs> and still, you can still get a room, a couple of tacos, and have four four fifty left over. <laughs> Not bad. Kind of a deal, if you ask me. Sounds like yeah. a perfect date night right there. You get what you pay for, bro. <laughs> you get what you pay for. All right. So you stayed south of the border, right? You got no, your well, I stopped. I didn't stay. Oh, okay. All right. So I mean, I'm classy. <laughs> I mean, how classy can the penthouse of south of the border be? I mean, come on. Twenty nine ninety five. <laughs> the real thing. a little quarter thing on the side. There you go. <laughs> All right. So, so you made it out of there and you got to Daytona. And and let's talk about why Daytona. It, it, it's a, because you've been there long enough to know the history of Daytona and you know why it's famous, right? You got the beaches, you got the uh, spring breakers, you got the bikers, and you got the uh, race heads, right? So you're there. So um, how long, well, actually, how long have you been in Daytona and why did you decide to stick there? I was, I ended up staying in Daytona for two years until I met my now ex-husband and he lived in DeLand and our first date, uh, we met in Daytona and then he was like, come back to DeLand and so that night. And so we drove back to DeLand that night and I remember when we got out 
of the car to go to this bar, um, I caught sight of the old courthouse. And it looks exactly like the courthouse in Back to the Future. And I am obsessed with Back to the Future. Shut and up. I looked and I went, Shut save up. the clock tower. Save the clock tower. Yes. yes. I couldn't stop it. And, um, and I always, I kind of think that I fell in love with Deland first. And then I fell in love with my ex-husband. <laughs> <laughs> but I loved it. And I moved within a month um, of meeting him. And then um, I just. I've never left. I, I, we had considered moving a couple of different places over the years um, because he traveled quite a bit with work. And so I would get to go with him. And um, he he loved every place that we'd go. And he'd be like, what do you think about here? Can we live here? And I'm like, yeah, I'll go anywhere because I love adventure. But I was always like, find me the land someplace else. And we could never find the land in another state. So, so for 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 the listeners who don't know, the land is a small, quaint town just west of Daytona. About I want to say about twenty minutes, right? Twenty thirty minutes. It's, it's the center of the universe. It is <laughs> <laughs> totally the center of the universe. So just go towards the center, and you then you've got the land. Yeah, it's halfway between Daytona and Orlando. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, it, it's, it's the uh, best town on the planet. That it is. It is the best town on the planet that nobody knows about. Because unless yeah. you come here, because nobody in Wisconsin knows about the land unless you've actually yeah. been there. Right? People know right. about Orlando and Daytona and Miami. Dude, I, I know nothing about it other than what I've learned so far. Because you've only taken me to Deltona. And that was amazing. Oh, I was blown away by Deltona. I was Ricky, like, come on now. You can't. <laughs> I mean, I got to ease them in, right? That's... Deltona has a good Puerto Rican influence. And I got to ease them in. So we That's go... true. They do have good Puerto Rican food there. I love Puerto Rican food awesome there it is no but the land stetson is there um it's got a beautiful downtown now stetson? it's got an awesome stetson downtown. like the yeah. cologne no the, the, hat. That's the, the, hat. the hats got it they're the hatters yeah it's, it's a it's 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 an awesome school the downtown is vibrant really nice bars it's 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 an yeah. awesome next time great, great food downtown. last night so my brother is in town right now and with his wife and so i took them um, to, you know, one of my favorite restaurants and who I've become friends with the owners and, um, they, everything we ate, they were like, Oh my God, this is so good. It's just nice. I just love it there so much. I love the save the clock, the clock tower reference. Cause that is one of my favorite movies. And I used same. to work at, right, at, back, at, uh, at, at the studios yeah. and I noticed the same thing and I'm like, God, the only thing <laughs> yeah. I just want to go up there and change the time to exactly when that lightning is supposed to hit. <laughs> I just I need to get a DeLorean and just drive around dressed as Doc Brown. That's what I got to do. So, do. so they literally like have the square and everything right in the middle of town and the trees and no, all that. Or they don't have the square. I wish they did. Well, no, they do actually. Uh, they do. Um, they have a new courthouse that has that actual little grassy area, and that's where they have the Christmas tree um, every year. Um, but of course, the new courthouse doesn't look like the old one. But it's almost across the street. It's kind of diagonally. It's cool. from it. It's so, awesome. So the land. So so you spend some time in the land. Um, mm -hmm. and what do you do for a living while you live there? So I worked at Home Depot. Um, but no, I was a waitress when I met him. I was working in a night uh, nightclub. You can't see it, but I'm doing air quotes. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was a waitress. Okay. Putting myself to school. Um, and, uh, and so that's right. I, I met him on his birthday and then, uh, 
so pretty soon after I started dating my ex-husband, I, you know, like eventually you can't work in a nightclub in a relationship. So, um, so then I ended up getting a job (laughs) at, um, Home Depot and I loved working at Home Depot and I worked in the paint department, um, which was great because I have always been artistic. So, um, I was learning a lot about paint and I think. I'm trying to think during that time. Oh, it was before I was working at Home Depot. Sorry. I was working for an artist um, and I apprenticed for this artist and he was a commercial artist and I had never known anything about commercial art. So he taught me basically the business of commercial art and, um, and how to go on jobs and how to act professional and, and how commercial art works, what, which is, what is you don't, you don't paint your passion. You paint. The client's passion. So, so what is commercial art, if you don't mind me asking? So I always told, so eventually I had students and I always told my students jokingly that I never picked up a paintbrush until I got a 50% deposit. Um, <laughs> so I was not in a studio making a painting, hoping it would sell um, because I wasn't painting from my heart. I was painting from my brain. So commercial art is uh, basically you're trying to sell something. They're trying to sell a product or an idea or an image. And um, what they've found, um, what I've learned is that uh, with anything with commercial art, like any sign that you see, the, no- the normal person looks at anything and they, they look at it for about two seconds and then they're moving on to the next thing. That's how people work. So with commercial art, my entire job is to try to get them to look at it the longest possible time. Mm-hmm. And if you if you structure your artwork correctly and you use the correct colors and and things that are going to hold someone's attention, you can get about six seconds out of it. Um, and so you could triple it, basically. So that was always my goal. Kind of sounds like past relationships. I get yeah, no, go ahead. Rick. <laughs> I got a question. I got a question. So um, it, it, it's from an artist perspective. I know that artists are really, really in tune with their feelings, with their passion. You said something really interesting. You said um, in commercial art, you never paint your passion. You paint your customer's passion or you paint yes. whoever yes. their, their passion. So um, I know that to make ends meet and to make money and to monetize it, that's something you have to do. But from an artist's perspective, doesn't that kind of take away from who you are as an artist, as a person? Because it's not your passion, it's their passion just because of money, right? Yes, but my passion is actually making someone else's dreams come to fruition. So I find that even when I was an artist painting my own thing, I never quite, I just never was that person that had something I had to paint. Um, I really love people. Like people is definitely, I would say my, even though I'm artistic and I'm a commercial artist um, and I do jobs every once in a while now, but uh, I would definitely say my life passion is people and making connecting with people. And if I can do that by helping them um, do the, whatever the the job is that they need me to do and, and pr- present themselves. And then to me, I've done my job. Like I get a high off of that. You know, well, here we go. I'm about to sprinkle a little HR over this conversation. So you said, <laughs> Average is six seconds to look at a piece of art and then attention span goes away. But the goal is to 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 look at it longer. The longer 
people look at it, the more impactful six, it is. Six seconds is really amazing. Usually it's about two. So the aspiration is six seconds. Got it. Yeah. How, how can I turn a resume to get that same kind of, of, of time, of viewing time? Oh, I know how. You draw, <laughs> you draw pictures on it, clearly. I mean, that's what she's talking about. That's what I would want to do. Yeah, but I mean, obviously, it, it will stand out, but it's not going to get you the attention you want. So how do you balance both of them? How do you get the text and a resume to really, really resonate with the people you want to see it? Yeah, thanks for the trick question, jerk. You're welcome. Yeah. I, I think that you could go Elle Woods and have it scented. Did you think what? Yes. What'd you say? I missed it. You could go Elle Woods and have it scented. You know what? It's what we need to do. We need to have. I got it. I got it. I got it. We're gonna open up a studio in downtown Orlando or the land next next to, to the clock tower, and okay. it's just resumes, works of art for resumes, and we'll invite a bunch of recruiters in, right? And they'll just it's just works of art, and then they'll just have to find all the subject matter in there for the talent that they're looking for. That's what we need to do. That's it. I, 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 I see your eyes. You're like, I don't know what the hell. this. <laughs> but no, I'm serious because, look, one of the things that um, recruiters have issues with. I'm sorry, not not recruiters, job seekers have issues with is making sure that their resume stands out um, out of the other thousands of resumes, hundreds of thousands of resumes all these recruiters are looking at. So exactly what you said struck to me. You got to put something out there that it's it's impressionable, um, but I don't want anything out there that just impresses them for the art aspect, but doesn't really call back the candidate. I just want something to be out there that's impressionable that really makes that recruiter pick up the phone and call that candidate back. So that's why it's you got to have that cross between art and the actual experience necessary on that piece of paper or that electronic file to upload it. So um, sorry for boring this down with HR stuff. I mean, it is an HR show after all, JC. <laughs> yeah. Um, real quick, while we're talking about your life story here, Jenny, when we think about like everything Ricky said, and we think about like that regular persona of HR, they're they're kind of really boring, aren't they? Or do you? I mean, you don't wake up and say, "I love HR." No, it's like it's boring stuff, right? I, I, but I, I love people. That's something I've really realized with this job that I have now. So talking about the people aspect of things, right? We we went from the restaurant to the depot. We're at the depot. You're also spending time, college, getting the degree, studying fashion, art and design rather, right? Yep. And then through that process, apprenticing, getting into the commercial art, you you're you're not just a regular artist. You you are literally an award-winning artist in your area. Am I right? Uh, kind of, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you've been featured in the papers. You have artwork that's currently on display near the clock tower, yeah. even possibly, right? It actually is very close to there. Yeah. So let's get into that a little bit. So where did so, the transition go from dabbling in this? And, and knowing that you have the talent, the skills, the abilities, and then turning that into something a lot more. Where did that come into when play? My, when my daughter went to school, 
like two kids and she's the youngest. And so when she went into school, I realized, okay, now I have some time during the day because I would do about one job a year uh, because it's time consuming. Mm-hmm. And um, I wanted to be able to take jobs during the day. And what happened was I decided I was going to start Jennifer Bryant Studios and I was going to do commercial art for people. And I got a couple of little jobs here and there, of, you know, friends that were being nice to me that wanted to help me out. Yeah. And then I got this job at uh, a bar that is uh, under a different name now, but at the time it was called YOLO. And it was a grilled cheese bar in the land. And they, I just connected with the lady. She wanted me to do the logo. And then I ended up working for them for a year and a half. And I did all, I was their in-house artist and I did all their custom artwork. And that kind of, um, I really cut my teeth uh, on commercial art with those people because they allowed me to take chances and um, and do the process. Yeah, but you're, you're doing the hard work of the, of the building of the relationship. You're building that trust. You're, you've got the people skills. You're already integrating it. And now you're further enhancing that with your artistic yeah. abilities. And, and, and so their entire shop at that point, it's got your name all over it, right? Yeah, it was basically me. <laughs> and I had to learn how to do chalkboard art because that was really popular at the time. And it had just started to like get popular and they wanted the look. And so I had to kind of, they hired actually a, a chalkboard artist to come from South Florida. And um, I had said, well, that, that doesn't offend me. You know, I mean, I don't do chalkboard art. So, but I said, but I'll tell you what, if, if I think that I can do what this girl is going to do, then um, if you need another thing, I'll undercut her and you can just hire me and you don't have to pay for, um, <laughs> you don't have to pay for travel. <laughs> so I said, but I'll be honest, if I don't think I can do what she's doing, then I'll let you know. Cause I am very, I'm very uh, realistic about my work. So um, she came in and she was a very talented artist. The problem is she was not a commercial artist. So her sign that she did for them didn't make sense. It was very hard to read. It was supposed to be the specials for the drinks. And people kept saying to their servers, what are your drink specials? And they're, they're literally staring at the board, but they couldn't read it enough because it was artistic, but it wasn't um, commercially readable. Yeah. So I ended up, first they had me touch up her work because she ended up not finishing. Mm. And I think she had bit off more than she could chew. And then they ended up painting over it and having me do wow. all everything, you know. So I had to learn how to do chalkboard art. <laughs> so it, quick question then. How, how do you, for anybody listening who, who is an artist at heart and is looking to break into that industry, what advice would you have for them to kind of get away from trying to showcase their passion and focus on the passion of the clients? I mean, how do you bridge that? Um, well, I think that you can still focus, like you, everyone knows what my stuff is uh, like there, I have a style and the way that I use color um, the way that I, my lines are incredibly clean. They're, you know, they're just like razor thin. And um, I'm the only one that does that because it does take a lot of time. So I make a little bit less because I'm intent on, you know, clean lines and stuff. So I can still do things for other people within the parameters of my look, you know, um, so I, I think if you find what you're really good at and what you really like, you know, there's that whole thing about making money doing it, but you can do that by still, you know, featuring someone else, but putting your stamp on it, I guess. 
Got it. Does that answer your question? No, no it does. It, 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 it does because I know um, um, I've had conversations with lots of people who are trying to break into any field. And the trouble is it's, it's, it's the fear that they have of showcasing their skills versus what the uh, uh what they're trying to do for their client and i i, oh, yeah. I think at the end of the day it's a mixture of both right you've it got never to- goes away the fear never goes away um i just actually had to for the very first time ever i had to back out of a project last month i've never backed out of a project ever um but it became clear that i it was for illustrating a book mm-hmm. And it became clear when I was sketching that I'm just not an illustrator. There is a very, that's a very specific talent. And um, I could probably do it if I had six months to train, but I didn't have six months. I had two weeks and I realized that I wasn't going to do the the project justice. And it was for a charity that's super close to my heart. And um, I felt like they deserved an actual illustrator, not, um, a commercial artist and someone hey, that Jenny, what, what what charity is that? If you don't mind us asking, um, that's Me Strong. And what's Me Strong? Um, Me Strong is a fantastic uh, local organization that helps families that are affected by cancer, and it's based out of Deland. Um, that is headed by these wonderful women who came together to support um, their friend Linda Ryan. Um, and who was going through cancer. And um, it's really fantastic because when you donate to Me Strong or you show up for a race for Me Strong or you buy a shirt, it literally helps people in our community. So if someone in Deland or I think that they send through Volusia County, I'd have to look. But um, if someone is, you know, having a hard time, like, let's say they're, you know, going to treatments, you know, twice a week or whatever, they will they will help them out. Um, I think that I'm not exactly sure what the specifics of how they help them, but it's, it's all for local families. So I really like, I can get behind that for sure. Yeah, <laughs> Actually, I, I just looked it up. You can find it at me strong.net M E S T R O N G.net. And the tagline is five women, five stories, one cause. Yeah. So it's they've been around phenomenal. For yeah. And they do a lot for the community, you know, so. Nice. It, nice, nice. It takes a lot to step up to the plate and do something that you're good at and make it the best you possibly can make it. It takes even that much more, though, to step forward and say, I, I'd love to try, but I'm not going to be able to do it justice to back it out of it. That's got to be really hard. I, I broke my own heart yeah. <laughs> saying that. But, you know, you I feel like you know, when you, uh, you have to be realistic with yourself. And there are things that I know that I can head out of the park for sure. Um, and that was not one of it, <laughs> one of them. So, so when we're thinking about this organization and the fact that they reached out to you, you, you're clearly a beacon within the community at this point, you're, you're established, you're networking, you're getting to know everyone, everyone's getting to know you, you're, you're helping out, uh, and also contractually, helping out, but doing things in, in different shops and, and commercial artwork, et cetera. At what point did you flip the switch and say, I'm going to open up my own studio? At what point did you have students and, and did you become a teacher? And, and, and that whole door opened. What's crazy to me is that in my life, everything that I has, that I've done has been because of people that have supported me and have 
pushed, kind of like gently pushed me to push myself. So with the students, so I was doing commercial art and I was really busy. I mean, I was, it was my full-time job um, within the parameters of having to pick my kids up from school, you know, at the end of the day. So I could have worked even more if I wasn't in their life as much, you know, but, um, and I had the luxury of being able to um, do jobs just during the day because my ex-husband, you know, worked. So um, he supported me, you know, in that, and I had a little studio on the property. So I had a little studio on the property and a friend of mine had texted me and said, Hey, I would like for you to teach my daughter art. Uh, she's not getting enough at school. I think it was, or whatever my friend Heidi. And, um, I said, I don't know. I'm not really a natural teacher. Um, I feel like I have a great personality and stuff, but that doesn't always lean towards explaining what you're doing in a way that someone can grasp it. So I said, I don't know. And she said, no, no, no. I really think that this is a good thing. And I said, yeah, but I don't do regular art. I don't do fine art. I have this weird little niche of things that I'm doing. And she said, we'll teach them that. And I said, teach kids commercial art. (laughs) And she said, yeah, I think, I think you should. And so I said, all right. So, uh, I, so, so I started off with these three little girls came to my studio. And, and you cultivated okay. your niche into this whole thing then, right? Yeah. So I just, I basically was teaching them what I was doing for a living and how to look at a job, how to do lettering, how to um, do shadowing, how to put colors together, you know, where they would make sense. And when I was posting about it on social media, people started saying, well, I want my kids to have less. I want this. And then I ended up having, I think, 19 students or 22 students. So I had to have, but the only thing is I could only fit six kids in my studio at at a time. So I ended up doing at least once a week I had classes, you know, um, with the kids. Could you imagine? Kids, formation out back. You will get in rows at this time. Six (laughs) of you enter now. You know, you got like 20 minutes. You're on the clock. Draw the letter A. Draw the letter A, you know? There was like one pressure. day like that. There was one day like that. I got, I did get a little frustrated. <laughs> and I was like, cause some of the kids were really perfectionists. And I was like, you, you got to let that go uh, to do it. But my favorite thing about that time period was I really wanted to do after I had all these students and at the end of the year, I really wanted to do an art show. So um, I said, I want to do a student art show, but I want to do it different than any art show that I've heard of or they're going to get at school. I wanted to celebrate kids. So what I did was I had a contest with my students on who was going to design the cover of the program. And one of my little girls, I think she was eight at the time or nine. Um, you know, I judged it and her, and I had kids that ranged from six to 14, 36. but this little girl had the, my favorite one. And I just, it, I really liked it. So I put her on the cover. And then I started booking people for this art show because I wanted, obviously, to have a gallery type show where they could show their artwork that they had been working on throughout the year. But I also wanted people to experience kids as artists, not as proud parents looking at their kids. So I had um, I had a band that's uh, called Skeleton's Curse, which is a Deland band of all kids. So I had kid bands. I had a, a 14-year-old girl cater all the desserts. 
So she did that. Um, I had dancers from Prep Dance. So that all the entertainment was kid-led, which I thought was just the coolest idea. And then I had um, Bobby Bao, who's um, this really wonderful artist um, that I was on a board with uh, a couple of years ago. Sorry, not who I thought. Um, I could have sworn you said Bobby Bowden. No, Bao. Oh, sorry. Wow, you had him on. That's that's pretty cool. Sorry. (laughs) Go ahead. Sorry about that. (laughs) No. Probably the le- the furthest from that. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. But she she was my guest speaker, and she did a speech, and she catered the speech towards kids and and finding your passion, and um, being able to parlay that into uh, work, which is my whole thing, you know. And uh, and also, at her her speech was so great. It was all about um, the fact that everyone has their own gifts, you know, and there's no one judge of like an artist you're good or you're bad you know and stuff like that so that was probably my favorite thing i've done really i kind of really want to work with you to recreate that but for adults that can't draw (laughs) and their artwork looks like children's artwork and i I think i would enter that yeah no it it would be stick figures it would be animated stick figures on the little flip book thingy it'd be amazing i have to tell you my very first professional job on my own for my studio before it was even Jennifer Bryant Studios, I was just Jennifer Bryant. I was hired to do, this lady wanted me to do stick figures on the side of her uh, daycare. Love it. And I said, uh, okay, well, how about this? How about if I do three samples and then you pick the sample that you want? So I did a sample with the stick figures, because, which was ridiculous. <laughs> and then I did two other beautiful hand-painted samples of what I thought should go on the side of this. <laughs> this is my very first job, by the way. And she was like, yep, definitely stick figures. And I, my heart just sank because I said, I got to put my wow. name on this. This is my very first job. I think I was 20 or 25 or something like that. So I go home to my uh, husband at the time. And I said, I can't do it. I, I can't, I can't put my name on stick figures. I can't oh. charge this lady to do stick figures. Like I, I just, it's horrible. Yeah. And he looked at me and he told me something that, you know, of course I ended up living by. And he said, you're not being paid to paint what you want. You're being paid to paint what she wants. And she wants stick figures. And he said, so go out there and paint the best damn stick figures you can paint. <laughs> And I did. I they were. It was ten feet tall, and it was I think forty feet long of stick figures. And she liked it so much. She had me do two buses and her minivan. Wow! It was holy smokes. It was. I thought it was awful, but uh, but I got paid a lot of money to do it, and it was a good experience for my first one in commercial art. And I still have that. I have a like a crappy picture back when i had a disposable camera yeah and um i still have a picture of it speaking of which i i I still absolutely love disposable cameras i think there's something like (laughs) mystic to those you know what i mean you get one of those and you just run around with them for the day that's all i i love those that's all (laughs) so so this whole time now you're 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 building your life you're you're doing the mom thing you're you're getting kids to them from school you're running the side gig 
which is now the main gig, which is now working with every business in the area. You're also teaching the kids. You're putting on shows. You have zero adversity in life, and the world is all magic and rainbows, right? I had a great life. I had a wonderful life. Yeah, for sure. And then uh, then I decided I was, wanted to get a divorce. And the thing with that is, even though I knew it was the right decision for us, um, it meant that I would have to start all over and that I couldn't do. I, I probably could have done commercial art being a single mom, but I would have had to work so hard and hustle so hard that I wouldn't have seen my children. Yeah. And I decided that they still needed a mom <laughs> right. and stuff. And I didn't, I, I, I couldn't do that to them. And, uh, and I wanted them to be able to count on me. So I said, well, I'm going to have to get a, what I call a regular job. Oh, air quotes again, <laughs> um, a regular nine to five job. And I had not worked in a regular nine to five job ever really. Um, so I, I try, I started going on interviews. I had my, my resume, which I thought was super cute. It was not scented, but it should have been, should have been, um, yeah. but, uh, <laughs> And I remember going, I was interviewing for this one job and uh, it, it was in an insurance agency and the guy was very dynamic. And um, I went on three, I, I was called back three times for this interview. And the third time he, um, like I was envisioning, oh my God, a madman. I'm, I'm, I'm laughing a little bit, by the way, because Ricky just had a seizure. Well, you said that, <laughs> that there I were did. three callbacks. We'll get to that yeah, momentarily, uh, yeah. momentarily. Oh, we're getting yeah. there. All right, so he made so, me study. It was it was a nightmare. So, uh, but so uh, we, I go in, and the third one, he wanted me to meet the rest of the staff and all the women. They were so nice. Um, they were all wearing polo shirts, and when I saw the polo shirts, I was like, "Ooh, this really isn't my vibe. I, I'm not gonna. I, like, I'm gonna be dressed up." And like the then, State Farm logo is <laughs> super cool, but I'm not really about. Yeah. <laughs> Can we get that embroidered on a scarf or something or like something, yeah. uh, stilettos, you know, maybe themed, you know, <laughs> themed stilettos. But, uh, and then I realized I was like, I, I remember texting my girlfriend saying, I, uh, I'm going to have to wear a polo shirt if I get this job. <laughs> and my girlfriend said, clearly this is not the job for you. She said, there's a job for you out there. And this is not this one. And I was like, I, yeah, I don't think I'm going to be able to take it, but I would have taken it obviously to feed my children. Mm -hmm. yeah. But then, um, at the same time, I had a close girlfriend who, uh, her and her husband own a mortgage company and they are very dynamic people and they're very fashionable themselves. And, uh, they, uh, have this company that has a really great culture in it. It's very, um, uh, super hard worker working people, but they're dynamic and exciting and they love people. And, uh, so she said, well, we need an office girl. If you, if you know, I'm sure you don't want to do that. And I was like, uh, yeah, I would love to do that. And, uh, so I, I interviewed, they made, you know, they made me interview. And, um, I remember, uh, Manny, my boss said, um, you know, I'm looking for problem solvers. And, uh, at the time, I didn't think I was a problem solver, but I lied and said, I'm a problem solver. Uh, <laughs> <to> do that. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's me. It's, it's like you're describing me. And um, 
And I didn't feel that I was organized uh, or good with organization or bills or any of the things that they needed me to do. <laughs> but I, but I, you know, said, yes, I could do this. And I love it from the very first day. I loved it so much because what I realized about the mortgage industry, there is a lot of cerebral parts to it. I mean, your, your, the paperwork is just staggering, but really when it boils down to it, it is helping people do the scariest thing they're ever going to do in their life, which mm -hmm. is buy a home. Mm -hmm. And it's helping people do that. And they're buying a home to take the next step in their life. They're building a family or they have a family and they need to provide for the family. They're branching out. They're moving out of their parents' home or they're, or they're downsizing from having a family. And now they're, um, you know, having to buy a new place. Either way, you're always dealing with people's fears and their yeah. hopes and their dreams. And yeah. I love it. I love it so much. Here's, here's my favorite part about what you just said. Normally, when people go on interviews, they, they embellish their skill set just because they want that job because of the money. Yeah, you you kind of did the same thing, not because of the money, but because of how they were dressed and the culture. Yes. No, seriously. That I wanted to be a part of it. I was like, yes. I love it here. Like they're all my my boss. Uh, well, I have two. My boss wears six inch stiletto heels every single day. And when I saw that, I was like, I want to do that, too. And so, so in the beginning, I Manny, my other boss, used to laugh and he would say, like, we have the best dressed front desk girl <laughs> in because I came to play like I came dressed. I was wearing a suit every day. Yeah. You know, that is awesome. <laughs> it, you know, and for all the business owners and business leaders out there, listen to this. Take note. It's not all about the money. Culture is just as important. The environment is just as important as the take home pay, because yeah. even if even if you got that money you wanted, if the culture is toxic, that that honeymoon phase will be over it's so over. quick. Yeah. Right. yeah, it really is over. So spot on. They, they have they have a really great you know, they call it we call it work family. And mm -hmm. um, we genuinely like being around each other. We socialize. Uh, together we do things together like I love being around these people like we did an event we do a lot of events and um, we did an event a couple of weeks ago and afterwards uh, five of us went out to dinner and the la I literally cried off all my makeup over the course of the evening um, the laughter with these people like I we just get each other That's you know awesome. and it's, it's awesome to come to work every day like I I'm always excited to come to work every day. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I wish the sleep would be over so that I can get to work. Um, wow. Not many people can say that. Not many people can say that. God, I'm so tired of being in a cozy, warm bed. I want to get to work. No, but, but Jennifer, you're spot on because it's especially now. Now, the way things are going with 2020 and the whole COVID situation, a lot of people just to make ends meet had to take jobs they normally wouldn't take. Yeah. Right. So, so, so we should consider ourselves lucky that not not only do we have that job, but we're able to say, I I love it here. I like yeah. coming in. It, it doesn't feel like work to me. I this is the big puzzle where I'm that one piece that fits just perfect in this whole culture. So and that that's yeah. exactly how I feel here. I feel like, and they tell me that, and that's the thing. Like I'm definitely, uh, my love language has the affirmation in it. Um, but uh, like we did that we at our team building weekend, we did that disc. Uh, personality ah, thing. Yes, and I'm literally an I like 15 out of 17 questions. I was I, um, which is ridiculous, but, uh, <laughs> I like, but 
but they tell, you know, you feel valued here. Like they'll tell you now they'll tell you when you do something wrong for yeah. sure. Yeah. Like they don't mince words. It's, Hey, you screwed up on this. Mm-hmm. And then how are we going to fix it? And, but that's mm-hmm. so far and few in between, you know, it, and it's always like, you did a great job. Hey, I really like how you did this. Or they'll give you the power to come up with an idea that maybe could make things better. But the, the way you just said that, that's key. It's not just the fact that something went wrong and they're calling someone on it or that part of the culture. It's it's the the other side of it, that leadership ability that is falling back on the sword together and understanding that we are in this together. How are we going to how are we going to overcome yeah. that? People people work for so many years, they do so many things in their life trying to fully grasp and understand those aspects of leadership. It's 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 daunting. Yeah. Hey, and you that's t- the thing. He's so inspiring with that. Like when he talks, you want to get behind him and do whatever he tells you. We just did a race. Yeah. We just did a, a savagery. Mm. And my dynamic, my boss is whatever they tell me to do, I just do. I do it. What's a savagery? What's a, what is that? Uh, people up north might not race. know. It's a mud race and you do all these crazy obstacles. And it, it was just a little one. It was just a three mile thing. And so we did it as we did it as a team. We with my work family. Oh my gosh, I have a great idea. <laughs> Does your work family adopt people? Because Ricky's just up the road. Take him on your next three mile mud run. It's so I'll finish that mud run. It'll take me about four years to do. Uh, but yeah, I'll do it with you guys. Cut it out. You do the Disney marathon. I see you with your headband, sweatband stuff. There is no mud there at all. I, I have great traction Ricky, on the road. Ricky. It's basically the same thing. I'm it's up. The they see me. I'm down. I'm up. They see me. I'm down. You remember how this goes. Hey, there was yeah, something else. Mountain. Yeah, you know, Teddy, you, you also said some, something else about it being like family, right? There was yeah. a, uh, a clip that we had carried over from November that I'm going to bring up again right now. This came directly from the Tiki Taki. I want to play it for you and get your feedback on this one. Hi. No nuance November. Take one. Guess what? Your job doesn't give a fuck about you. If you were to die, they would replace you within a month. If they call you their family, you need to get the fuck out. Wow. That was uh, oh. Firecracker Leo, Firecrack Leo on TikTok, basically saying, if your work calls you family, you should probably leave. But she didn't mince words. She said it differently. You need uh, to stop beating around the bush and tell me exactly what she feels. Yeah, yeah. She, not, she hides her feelings a lot. Enough. So, so you feel differently about that. You you sincerely feel differently about viewing people at work like family in a way, right? Yeah, for sure. Like I do feel like uh, what's great about out what what happens with family. What is family? Family is people that are they love you even when you're unlovable, even when you're not giving a hundred percent. They love you anyway. And every family dynamic is different, obviously, but that's with our work family, even if you aren't doing up to par with, they, they still love you and they still see value in you. So they're willing to train you, um, and use everything as a teaching moment, you know? And I, you know, one of the things Manny will say is he'll be like, okay, moving forward, this is what we're going to do from now. Let's, let's, you know, like, let's, chalk this up to a learning moment and then we're going to do things differently next time. And now we know, and now we know not to do it again, you know? And, um, so to me, that's what it means. And, and the people that you actually 
enjoy, like the love that I have for these people. I just adore them, you know. But they're sincerely bringing you into their circle at the same time when you joined. Is it? Yeah, is, like it's you're, mutual. Here, you're all in. Like they just bring you in, and you are you're all in. And not, it's not for everyone. I mean, some people, you know, they want to go home and be home. I answer, I answer emails at 8 p.m. sometimes, you know, from my boss because he has an idea. Yeah. Um, or my other boss will be like, hey, um, I was thinking tomorrow we could blah, 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 blah. And, and I'll respond to it. Or a fax comes in. Hey, did you see that fax? So, yeah, there is a, it, it is a little, there's extra hours, you know, but um, it's, but they also like do things during the week. You know, it all, it all balances out. And it's passion. I'm passionate about it. So. so so then now as you found your new home base with this and you, you're rebuilding your life, we have this lingering thought of those, those years of artistic ability. We have this lingering thought of that passion, the drive and the desire to do something creative yet again. And you're complimented consistently about the way you look from what you're saying, the fashion forward aspect of things. So now you're kind of, you're looking to blend those worlds together and reignite that flame? I wasn't looking. I, I just wanted to look cute at work. So I, it started off with one post on my first day of work, like, hey, business Barbie, I'm going to be working today. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm mortgage Barbie, like today. Ha <laughs> ha, this is, isn't this cute? And so I, I was just doing it for fun to let people know on social media, like that I'm actually working like a regular job. Right. And then the next day, I think there was someone that said, where, where's the picture of today's outfit? And so I said, well, if you, if you must, and I <laughs> sent a picture of the next outfit and this goes on for three or four days. And then I thought, I said, okay, last outfit, I swear, I'm not going to keep on doing this. This is the last post about my outfit, but I just had to share it because I really like this outfit, whatever it was. Sure. And I wanted to share where I got it because I do shop local and I, I do dress frugally um, without looking like it's frugal. Oh. And so uh, then at that post, when I said, this is the last one, I'm not going to bore you guys with my outfits anymore. The response from the women was, no, keep them coming. I, I've been looking at your outfits every day. I want to know what you're wearing. And I laughed. I was like, ha, ha, ha. And then I start getting private messages. No, we're, you know, we'd like to see your outfits. They're totally serious. Yeah, they are. Totally serious. And one of the girls said, uh, my office is asking me every day what you're wearing. And I'm showing them, like, at our morning meeting, we're drinking coffee and we're looking at what you're wearing and where you got it. And I thought, well, that's interesting. (laughs) And so, because people always like to make women out as being very catty and and feel like what people like to say that women can't, they have to dull themselves because it'll make other women feel bad. And I found that that's actually so far off from what most women actually want to see a woman finding herself and doing what she's meant to do and finding that sweet spot. And uh, so I started posting pictures every day of my outfits and where I would get things. And Every day, the response was just more and more and more and private messages. And then, hey, I went to that store that you talked about, and it was really cool. And next thing you know, I'm getting a discount at one of the stores because there were so many women that were going in. Um, 
And a lot of women didn't know about consignment. And I do, I shop consignment all the time. So it just started getting crazy. And then women started giving me clothes. Um, like, oh, you'd look good in this. You should wear this. I'd love, you know, and then I would, you know, shout out to them like, hey, I got these shoes from this girl, you know, whatever. And, uh, and, and stuff. And sprinkled in there, I started to do things that make comments that I'm passionate about. Like, hey, you have to know your body. And you can look good even if you don't have a perfect body or, you know, perfect hair, I, you know, and, and stuff like that. And But you have to know it first get to know it and then you can dress for it, you know, whatever. And I started doing that and my the responses from that were really, really good. And people kept saying to me, you should do this. You should have a blog. You should have a YouTube channel because there's something here. And I, you know, I was just kind of like, here I am. I was in the middle of a divorce and I was just holding my head above the water. And that was what was keeping me my job. And then the, uh, these women that were reaching out to me was kind of keeping me like buoyed, you know, the right. support of these ladies. And, um, and then we were going to events and we'd go to an event and, um, there'd be women that I didn't know that well, but knew them through work. You know, they work for other companies and I'm, I'm at one event and the ladies, like the girl's like, Oh, I love watching your outfits every day. And there's two women with us. And one woman said, what do you mean outfits? And she goes, Oh my God, she posts about her outfits every day. And she said, really? And she said, yeah, our office watches her outfits every day. And the girl said, who are you? And then she whips out her phone and then both girls friend me right away because they want to see their outfits. And, and I'm sitting here like, what is this life? This is so weird. Um, and then finally, <laughs> uh, my boss, we were sitting, in, we were in her bathroom getting ready for an event. And she was like, I, I think you should do this. We need a good name. And she talks when she's thinking and she's walking around doing her makeup. And all of a sudden she looked at me and she said, I got it. It's the budget bombshell. That's who you are. That's you. You're the budget bombshell. There it is. And once I had the name, then I knew, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And so now I've started the process. I, I'm still working on the, getting the blog. I, I, I'm not, I realized this week, I'm not going to be able to do my own website. <laughs> Right, right. That is not where my talents lie. I'm jobbing that out. But um, but I have started with the Instagram and Facebook and and whatnot. And um, so I, I what I envision with it is what I'm doing on a very small scale right now, which is inspiring women to go out of their comfort zone and dress up and have fun and look good and feel good about the way they look where they're right this minute, not where they want to be or where they were 10 years ago. Um, and show them how to, everyone's so busy, you know, and, uh, everyone says, well, I don't even know where you would get, I don't know where to get clothes. I don't know. I don't have the time. And so I would like to show them my way of shopping. Which well, is I mean, a lot, a lot of women fast, say, easy, you know, when you, you know? talk with people, they say, you know, I don't have the three, four or $500 for that one or two outfits out there. Right. Right. Is, that, is that really how much it costs when you're being frugal, though? Um, no, you could. I mean, some of the things that I wear, I paid a dollar for. <laughs> right. So if, yeah. if you've got that budget line of like three hundred dollars, I guess I guess what you're saying is, is that instead of just running out to the store right away, get to know yourself first. Like you might not yeah. still be the size four from when you were 27 years old. Uh, maybe right. let that go a little bit, find something that fits you better. And, and, uh, at the same time, consider these options along the way. Right. 
So one of the things that I do that I can't wait to share with women, um, that I don't think that women, re- regular women, and I, and people don't, I've, I've had some people say, don't call us regular, don't call them regular women. And I'm like, but we are regular women. We're moms and we're sometimes spouses and we're working and we're sisters and that's regular. You know, we're not celebrity, you know, um, but uh, regular women can call a shop that they've built a relationship with and say, Hey, I need a pink dress for an event. What do you have? And then the shop owner, especially if you shop local, they know their inventory better than any yep. big box, uh, you know, national chain, you know why? Because they've picked it out. They've unwrapped it. They've stocked it. They've put the price tags on it themselves. They have um, put it in the window. They've made the decision to take it. So they know their inventory and then they can say, oh, I've pulled a couple of things for you. Come in tomorrow at 11 and we'll do, we'll play pretty woman. And that's what I do with these places. Now I call ahead and I tell them what I'm looking for. They pull some things for me and I go in and I pretty woman it. <laughs> so so and everyone literally, can do that. Anyone can do that. You don't have to be famous and rich and all that stuff. So, so literally though, someone could turn to you like as a fashion consultant with an artistic eye and, and you could set a date and time to get together, to go to one of these shops and, and kind of assemble things together. Yeah, I do that all the time. And I, how much, I love it. How much does that cost? Um, well, I, I have, <laughs> I'm, we're working on that. Got we're it. working on Got it. Got it. Got it. <laughs> and, and I, I found you on, on Instagram. So you are the dot budget bombshell on right. Instagram. Right. And then you are the budget bombshell on Facebook. So anybody want to check that out, go ahead and give it a like. And a blog is coming soon. Coming soon. <laughs> oh, it's coming soon. Got it. Okay. Well, I'm hoping to see her on the Tiki Taki. Let me no, tell me you. Too. That thing's so oh, addictive. My daughter, my daughter has vowed that she is going to set up the Tiki Talk this weekend. That's what supposedly we're doing tonight. Can she help me? Because I still can't figure that thing out. I can't figure it out. She's a whiz. She's 10 years old and she's a whiz at it. Wow, <laughs> I need some help. My eight-year-old is, is is showing me how to use a Nintendo Switch and all these different things, and I have no idea how these things work. <laughs> no, but, no, but I got a quick question for you because you said before you can go out and actually start doing all these things and how to how to be that budget bombshell that that you have to know yourself first. I know what that means at face value, but for 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 people listening right now, can we just dive a little bit deeper into that? What does that mean? by knowing yourself. So I feel like you have to be realistic about everything about yourself, what, uh, who you actually are, what you actually look like, the, mm-hmm. that basis, what your size is, or what size in certain clothes you are, because every, every designer is different. Okay. But also too, you, what, who you are as a person, but what you want to put out there. So I've realized, um, that I am, well, everyone calls me sparkly. <laughs> I'm a sparkly person. I'm excitable, and which means I'm passionate. And sometimes I think, talk before thinking. And, um, but that's okay. And that's so, instead I lean into it. And, you know, so when I walk into a room, I tend to use my hands and I wear, I don't wear really, you know, like revealing stuff but it's very it's definitely eye-catching i i walk into a room and i want to be noticed and but that's you feel okay. confident though you feel okay confident to that be noticed. right yeah i feel confident and it's okay not to want to be noticed but as long as you feel good about yourself with it that way 
like if you're if you're doing it not being noticed because you don't like what you see then there's some work to be done there and i think that there's something about a woman when she walks into a room and she feels amazing like she feels like herself and doesn't apologize for it and the women that i surround myself with do that in all different ways not not just me like you know um I don't know. I, I love that. I love that whole process of of meeting women and when you you know you meet someone and you're just like, wow, that that girl has it. Mm-hmm. You know, and and, know. <laughs> and that's what you want. You want people to say that person has it, but it, it's you want it to be so vague that they don't know what it is, but it is impactful, right? right? And yeah. I like what you just said because you said you don't have to be revealing to be confident, and it's yeah. amazing what. It's seeing somebody who's authentically confident, how they come across that impact of seeing how confident they are. It's it's a much deeper, more authentic impact than just revealing other things, right? So that confidence level is a must. I I, you know, it. I have a, I definitely have a walk. Um, people make comments about my walk because I walk. Uh, like I met I met a guy the other day. Uh, coming out of a Walmart and he said, you walk like you own the Walmart. And I said, well, I do. <laughs> well, I don't know if that's right. <laughs> I don't want to own a Walmart. <laughs> I'll, I'll own one. Why not? Why, why wouldn't, why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't I walk like that? Not the ones I, I used to go to. I'm like, Ugh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, Ricky went back to a Popco. Got it. No, yeah, yeah. No, over in, uh, over in, uh, uh, yeah, Osceola. Anyway, Osceola. most of yeah. No, but you know what? It, it's a, it, it's it's good for people to hear that because you know it doesn't have to cost a thousand dollars to look good. No. You just got to have that perfect balance of the right outfit for you and the right ensemble and that perfect level of confidence, right? Yeah. That right there paints that whole picture. And now I don't even buy clothes that when I put on something, if I don't go, wow, this really flatters me. I feel like me. I don't buy it at all. Like I only buy things that make me feel like me. And, uh, you know, so uh, my son had a period of time where people were asking if he was gay. And I told him, I said, well, you know, it's not a bad thing to ask someone if they're gay. Um, Because, you know, being gay isn't a bad thing. Mm -hmm. I said, but it's the intent. Why are they asking you? Is it to single you out and to make you feel like you're, you know, uh, the center of attention in a bad way or that there's something wrong with it? And we talked about it a little bit. And I said, here's, here, here's the thing. You flit around and you twirl and stuff. And I said, and that's fine. I said, if that makes you feel like you, you flit and twirl all you want to. And I said, uh, but you know that, you know, some pe- for t- some people that might be a little off-putting and know that there's you might get a little bit of pushback. I said, what makes me feel me? I said, when I go to pick you up from school in the parent pickup line, I'm the only mom that's wearing five-inch heels and tight jeans and does my hair and makeup, but it makes me feel like me. And yes, every once in a while, someone says a snide comment about uh, me being dressed up to, for no reason or, or you know, it, it, something. It's so rare. And I said, but for that couple of rare people, that's the price that I pay for making me feel me, then I, I'll take it. I'll pay that price. I'm authentic every day. And that's, that's for me, what makes me feel me. This is someone else. It's a different thing. Maybe it's flip flops. Maybe it's flip flops. (laughs) See, that's me, right? I'm the only man in my son's pickup line in uh, flip flops and tight sweatpants. 
because uh, I haven't changed <laughs> in years. Uh, so that whole ensemble cost me twenty five ninety five. <laughs> so there you go. No, but you know what? It, it's a it, what I'm sure you've come across some people, and let me be careful here that are labeled as haters, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I don't know if you want to talk about that or not, but how do you deal with those folks? How do you deal? I know how as a human being, how you want to deal with them. You just want to shut them up and, you know, just put them down, but that's not where we want to go here. How do you deal with people who are hating on you with class? How do you deal with them with class? Um, I, well, so I have a, my hashtag is always glitter, never bitter, um, because it's just wasted energy. It, it doesn't do anything for them. They're not going to learn their lesson if you snap back at them. And I find this even with disagreeing with someone like it literally does nothing for me to dig you you're not gonna all of a sudden say oh you're right i was a jerk you know they're not gonna do that so uh but it's going to make you feel yucky you know and you're gonna chew on it and i don't i don't like to chew on it so um you know what i kind of feel like a little more what about bob about it i feel like you know they're just not available right now hang up and try again later (laughs) i feel like you know, that person might be at a stage in their life where they, everything is not good for them. And uh, you remind them of something, of their own life, that something's not good. And there's nothing you can do about that. So you just have to pull up and move on to the people that are getting your vibe and, you know, are into it. So that's kind of what I do. I don't, I don't meet a lot of, you know, mean people. People are generally really nice to me because I feel like that's what I attract to myself. Like, I feel like my secret talent, my secret, secret talent is surrounding myself by amazing people. And I have the awesomest people around me. They are the most supportive people uh, and wonderful and fun to be around and funny. I love funny people. And um, I think if you surround yourself with those kind of people, then the far and few times that you meet someone that's negative about what you're doing, it just rolls off you, you know? Sometimes well, you Jeffrey, have to take a risk. You have to take yeah. a risk. Yeah. And you're in luck. It's right now you're surrounded. You know, look, JC's funny looking, right? So there you go. You can surround yourself by that. Uh, <laughs> it's, <laughs> so that would work, right? So it, you said that a few times already on the show. You said that you surround yourself by uh, confident, powerful people. And, yeah. and I think, I th- and by powerful people, I don't mean like powerful in, in stature. I mean in, in persona, right? In attitude. So mm-hmm. I get what you're saying. So it, it, it's it's uh, that's something that the audience needs to understand that the best thing you can do for yourself is to create that cer- your own circle of trust, your own circle where that energy just keeps going around. Whatever energy you put out, by the time it goes around, it comes back to you as tenfold. And that mm-hmm. is crucial. Though. These are things that some folks don't understand. So yeah. for that aspiring artist that's in a in, uh, um, Upper North Northeast, trying to make their way down to uh, Daytona. What advice do you have for them? And right now, in 2020, the way things are right now, as an artist, what do you want to say to that hungry artist? And by hunger, I mean by their 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 passion. They want to get their passion out there. Starting out, what is your one piece of advice for them? I would say, um, I guess that's the key: is you find your people, whatever your people are weird or or powerful or confident whatever your people are find them surround yourself with them and then take risks you know Mm. jump in and take risks and 
but I wish I kind of wish I had found out who I was a little bit earlier, maybe. Yeah. Um, I mean, I was always a confident kid and stuff like that. Uh, you know, but I, I wish I feel like I didn't really start learning that stuff till I turned 40. And then I really like came into my own and I was like, man, my 20s would have been stellar if I had had right. this attitude right? and, and I would have had this kind of confidence, but I, yeah. maybe that's with, maybe you can only get it through age. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> no, no, you're right. You're right. You know, it depends on your previous life experiences, where you currently are right now, where you were back then. So those twenties and thirties pretty much cultivated, they, they shaped that sandcastle to where you are right now. You are the, you, Right now, but you that, are the current sandcastle that took 20 years to put together. That never changes, though. As long as you're breathing, this journey keeps rolling and you keep growing, right? It's <laughs> never going to stop. That's as long not, as you keep actually, your eyes open to it. And I, I want to say something that is very interesting about that whole, like, the sandcastle taking 20 years. When, side note, when you do hire an artist to do something for you, you are not paying for the piece that you're putting on the wall or whatever. You're paying for the 20 years that they have Ooh. used their blood, sweat, and tears, figured it out, figured out how to manage their time, figured out the best colors to use. You've, you're paying for their experience that brought them to this point where they can do that piece. Absolutely. And that's something a lot of people don't realize about artists. And it, it's a process. And that. Uh, when I, when I did backpack Europe, I went to the Van Gogh museum in Amsterdam. And at that time it was a cylinder and you started off at the bottom and you saw like the, the earliest work that they had possession of, of, uh, Vincent Van Gogh. And then you went, you kept going and it, and it went, uh, in chronological order until you got to the top and they had their, the most recent, well, the, the latest one that they had available. And as a young artist, it was really beneficial to me because when he started out, he was crap. He, he was a terrible artist. Um, and he didn't connect with anyone. But uh, you could see as his journey and, and as he grew his talent and as he experienced life and then used that. Um, and I think that's really important for artists to realize that you, you don't. Yeah, there's a little bit of uh, there's a little bit of natural talent, but you got to work really hard and you got to keep on practicing. And no one, it doesn't come naturally to anyone. No one just pops out like amazing pieces. Everyone can be tweaked, and everyone has to work on it and, and stuff. Huh. And you're gonna you're gonna always keep working on it. You're gonna keep on learning something and be like, oh, okay. Well, Which you is know, why you never like what you've done. Like I look back and it's pretty rare for me to see a piece that I've done and been like, oh, I really like that. Usually I'm like, ugh, oh, I wish I had done that thing different. <laughs> you want your own worst critic, right? So it's other yeah. people give you more credit than you deserve than what you give yourself. Just take a look at that that uh, stick figure um, uh, story. You're like, ew, really? That's what she wants? And she didn't only put it on her wall, but on her cars too. Yeah, so she that was like the face figure. of her business. That's good for her. That's awesome. You know, and so, you, so here's the thing, right? I'm glad you're recognizing that now, right? Because you said it, it, it's, it, it didn't take until you was 40 years old for you to realize, for you to come into your own. Now that, you, that, that you're aware of that, just imagine where you're going to be in 20 more years, right? No, no. So, you so, won't be able to live with me. <laughs> <laughs> We're all going to be praising a statue of you. 
That's there'll, what be, we, there'll be a statue of me, not just my ancestor in Salem. There'll be me. It ain't no, going to be in Salem. Down. It's going to be outside that <laughs> clock tower. Yes. It'll be right outside that <laughs> clock tower next to that piano that you painted. It's going to be right down there. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Hey, it's, it, it's around that time in the show that we do still have to hit some current events and, and kind of, unfortunately, head towards wrapping things up. With that being said, do you want to stay with us through this? It's, it's normally kind of fun. We, we will review a current event story and uh, bounce it around a little bit, kind of get your thoughts and feedback on the topic. What do you say? Yeah, why not? Why not? Current Events This Week is brought to you by the Budget Bombshell. You can find her on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, the Tiki Taki, anywhere like that. Please make sure that you reserve those names. Let your 10-year-old grab the names of those websites and, and handles before the show airs. Okay. Otherwise, half of India is going to steal your, your names. I'm telling you, Jenny. I'm telling you. Okay? We have a big following in India, and they will steal the names. That's all. It will. All right, right. so this first story is coming to us from WGRZ.com, Orchard Park, New York. Back a couple weeks on a previous news article that we talked about. A guy I actually know as well. He's a fantastic guy, great Marine. An Orchard Park gym will be allowed to open at 100% capacity after being granted a preliminary injunction by New York State Supreme Court judge. The Honorable, Honorable Paul... Watosik issued an oral ruling on Wednesday that said, uh, said attorney Paul Cabria, who's representing the gym athletes unleashed. Now, uh, regarding this, the gym owner wound up suing New York State, and a New York State Supreme Court judge said the ruling is not meant to diminish the existing pandemic, and the gym's lawyer argued the capacity limit was arbitrary and capricious. If you don't remember the story, this gym was uh, essentially invaded by health inspectors and police. They just came in the door on a day when they weren't even open for business, and then they were cited and fined $15,000, and they've not been allowed to be opened. Quote, The opportunity to fill our gym to its rightful capacity is huge. We're able to bring more people into the fold. We're getting back to normal business operations, which is what anybody wants, said Robbie De Niro, owner of Athletes Unleashed. The November 30th lawsuit also claims that Governor Andrew Cuomo has overstepped the authority granted to him during the pandemic. Wednesday's ruling did not address these claims, and further discussion is expected later on in February. But as of late Wednesday, the New York State uh, representatives have not responded to a request for comment. But senior advisor to the governor has tweeted previously that the entire argument is based on crackpot logic. So the two sides are still at odds here. Now, De Niro, he's been very outspoken against the state's COVID-19 restrictions and gained national attention after a viral video was taken at his gym in November where the Erie County Sheriff's deputies and a sanitarian from the county health department invaded the place and then fined him $15,000 for a private meeting in his off time. So the battle in New York continues while everyone stays home and things are shut down. And down in Florida, I think everything's just open anyway. So it's not that big of a, this story is not a big deal to you, right? Wait, 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 wait. it kind of is though, right? So now are they saying that they are, so the, it's the law or the court sided with the gym owner. What does yes. that do for the rest of the state? 
So he's, now the rest he's of going to be allowed to open at 100% capacity and then yeah. rippling forward, gyms across the entire state should be following the line uh, shortly after. Wow. So here's my take on that, right? Um, as long as they follow the proper protocols to keep people safe, that's fine. How does that happen in an establishment that you have to huff and puff with everything you do in there? So would they have a mask on the entire yeah. time? Yeah, they do, actually. What? I believe so. How about- my my gym does uh, masks to walk to uh, a machine. Okay. And then, but once you're at the machine, you can take it off. Yeah. And they do every other. They call it social fitnessing. <laughs> <laughs> That's cute. <laughs> so it's so every other machine is you know is available. Wait, is this Orange Theory? Uh no, Planet Fitness. Oh, got it, got it, got it, got it. Okay, all right. No, because um, uh, it's I used to belong to uh, to Orange Theory, and I haven't seen them in a while. I don't know what they're doing, but yeah. So yeah, okay, I guess that makes sense. You know, kind of like a restaurant in Florida, right? Yep. You just walk to your table with the mask on, and then sit down as long as you're eating, actively eating. Just take off your mask, and you're golden. So mm-hmm. I mean, again, it's a. I'm really interested to see what the state of New York is going to do following that. Um, it, hopefully they'll follow suit and. As, God, as long as people are still being safe, man. It, it, it's let them earn, but be safe about it. That's that's good news. Watch it go the whole other way, and they wind up taxing them out the nose and trying to shut business down with a 70% tax in the new year or something. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> Your next story here. Very, very pressing, urgent news in the world of human resources. The Horseshoe Casino has officially brought on board a veteran HR professional to oversee hiring training benefits and employee relations at the Caesars Entertainment Incorporated gaming facility. Julie Vasek began working November 30th as Horseshoe Vice President of HR after spending more than 25 years in similar roles in Chicago hospitality, hotel, and food beverage enterprises. Quote, we are extremely lucky to have someone of Julie's talents, knowledge, and commitment Joining the Horseshoe Leadership Team, said Catherine Jenkins, Horseshoe General Manager. We are beyond excited to have her on board, and we can't wait to see the amazing things that she will do hiring people. Okay. <laughs> I don't know where to go with that. Congratulations. <laughs> Good job for getting the, that, that position at the Horseshoe Casino. Where is the Horseshoe Casino? I missed that. Couldn't even tell you. <laughs> what a great story jc bro yeah. i love it the world of hr there's just so much happening yeah. <laughs> and your last current event story here that we have before we get to our florida man and woman pieces. About to pass out. yeah no i know she's like what did i get into right the now hell is why this? am i even here Right, so this one's coming to you from CNET.com. Why you shouldn't make a 2021 new year's resolution according to a psychologist Resolutions could be counterproductive in a very tough year. So just don't bother. This is from CNET? Yes. Are, don't they do electronics that, and stuff so, like that? Yeah, so that was like the title of the article. And uh, the article is very long. Uh, it talks about psychology, the problem with New Year's resolutions. It's probably about a 72-minute read. And in wow. the end, the thing that you're going to walk away from reading this is that you should not... Make a New Year's resolution. What do you think about that? So just stick to the title then. Okay, got it. Look, I think I think if people 
focused on how horrible this year is and wanting to see it leave, expecting an unrealistic expectation of what 2021 is going to be, you're going to have a lot of people that are going to be sorely disappointed. So I agree with that article. Just don't don't make any resolutions. Don't do it emotionally. Just take it as it comes. Be as flexible as you possibly can be. Learn from everything you did this year and just make sure you don't do it next year. I'm telling you, if you set yourself up for failure, that's exactly what's going to happen. Do you agree with that, Jenny? I think that the resolution, it's more of uh, changing the kind of resolution. So instead of making that what would be, quote unquote, like a normal resolution, like, hey, I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to get a hold of my finances. I'm going to you know, start a new business. How about instead make the resolution to how you're going to be emotionally within the parameters of what our life is, whatever our life is going to be like, make the resolution to, can I think positive? Can I flourish? You know, I want to be able to flourish in whatever parameters we have to do. And I, you know, I want to make sure I spend more time with my family if I have the chance. You know, those kind of, to me, those kind of things I, I think are still valid and should be made instead of I'm going to spend the entire time on Facebook being mean to people and mask shaming. <laughs> let's be kind to people and figure out how to emotionally come out of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it's, it's, it's been a taxing year. Mm. <laughs> well, there's a week left. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Lot, everything will be better in 2021 a lot could happen in this week hey you know what time of the show it is now it's time for florida man stories florida man stories your favorite part of the program we have two stories for you this week the first one is coming to us from wtsp.com florida woman helping unemployed families with food and gifts this holiday season. Vanessa Brito, she was a full-time caregiver of her sick mother. She decided to put her skills as a political consultant and activist to amazing use and now spends any spare time that she has advocating for people who could not get through Florida's unemployment system. For the holidays, she wanted to go an extra mile helping unemployed families in a bit of a different way. Her intention was, let's do Amazon wish lists so that kids can have Christmas gifts and all their Christmas wishes fulfilled. And to take that pressure off of the parents this particular year. People went ahead and built wish lists for their children and then donations started to flood in. Was every wish list fulfilled? No, it wasn't. But at least every child got at least one gift, Brito said. With the community pitching in to help, hundreds of families woke up this Christmas morning to gifts that they did not expect. Out of her own pocket, she started buying and delivering hot meals as well to families in need. Her mission is to be able to make things a bit easier for families struggling Through this entire pandemic. And she carries forward with her. Some of her own thoughts. When she was a child. Inspiring her to continue this journey. As she moves forward. Florida woman helping unemployed families with food and gifts. This holiday season. Big round of applause. For Vanessa Brito. 
So normally this segment makes fun of Floridians. This is a really good story. I kept waiting for the punchline. I was like, what were those gifts? I thought it was going to be something inappropriate. Me too. I mean, so you and I went to the same place. Because don't tell me they they got the wrong wish list for some creep down the street. Oh, man. That's exactly where I was headed in my head. Oh, that's a good story there, JC. That's awesome. It warms the cockles. Story. Your next Florida woman's story is coming to us from PenLive.com. This one does go back just a touch of time, but not too far. Still relevant here. Florida woman finds an unwanted animal in her Christmas tree. She thought it might be a cat. She thought it might be a squirrel, but she wasn't sure. Early on the morning of December 10th, a Florida woman was awakened by a commotion inside her home. And it was coming from her Christmas tree. Aubrey Lacabelli of Tallahassee began shooting video of the encounter that started at 4.15 a.m. She begins talking about a cat inside of her tree. She pokes at the tree with a frying pan and tells the animal to move on. Then she decides it's a squirrel. It has to be a squirrel. She is concerned that the animal will knock down some precious glass ornaments and and possibly break them. You can't blame her. So she starts yelling at the tree. Come on, let's go. Get out. Get out. She says this as her dog sniffs at the tree gently. She also tries spraying the animal with vinegar. She sees this thing. She's spraying it. Vinegar. Nothing's happening. But then she quickly and eventually discovers that the animal is not a cat, nor is it a squirrel, but it was a raccoon. The situation escalates quickly after she lets her dog back into the living room. The raccoon and the dog knock the tree over, breaking all the ornaments, and they get into a battle, a royal battle in her living room. You can see the entire video online, but be warned, she does use uh, a swear word in the video, just kind of like... we, we use them in the show here periodically. Yeah. Sorry about that. So she says on the video that the dog and the raccoon, they were fine. After landing on the dining room table and then clinging to an overhead light, the raccoon was able to run out of the house and back into the forest where it came from. And ultimately, at the end of the day, the dog was fine. It had a few scratches. Cleaned it out. The vet thought it was hilarious. And now... That it's not right there in that moment. It does seem kind of funny. According to what she sees on the video. Florida woman attacked by squirrel out of her own Christmas tree. Story back to you. That sounds less like a Florida woman story and more like a story you told your kids around the uh, fireplace on Christmas Eve. <laughs> Because I'm like, I'm like, what is it? Is it really a squirrel? Is it really a cat? No, it's a raccoon. Does vinegar work? Because now her tree must smell like vinegar. Could you imagine your entire living room's torn up? All your ornaments are broken. You're laughing, and it all smells like like vinegar, like vinegar, just vinegar everywhere, just all over the tree. Yeah. Have you ever had that happen, Jennifer? Have you ever had like a little? furry creature in your Christmas tree and you sprayed it with vinegar? Uh, no, but I saw a picture online the other day of a of someone that had a snake and I can honestly say I would have moved. I just would have <laughs> closed the doors and I would have never gone into that home again. It would, it, it would just belong to the snake. 
after that. <laughs> it would be the snake house. Back up north, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> you would have. That's, yeah, no. That that that's a lot right there. Raccoons, Tallahassee, Florida. Our stories this week they're actually really good. That they're heartwarming, other than the vinegar all over your room. But let me tell you something. Uh, all that aside, I'd like to go around the room right now for final thoughts, starting with Ricky Bias. So it's I want to thank Jennifer because I I I love your story, Jennifer. I love the message you have, and the one thing that that. Actually, two things that I'm that I'm taking from you that really, really resonated with me, and I really want the audience to fully understand is to it, it's surround yourself. Don't feel bad by surrounding yourself with people who match your energy or even le- elevate your energy. Don't feel compelled just because you have some kind of an allegiance to a, a specific people that may be toxic that you have to stick with them. So surround yourself with people who match your energy or elevate them. That's the first one. Second one is find that purpose you have. Find that purpose. When you look for a job, don't necessarily look for the money. Obviously, that's what pays the bills, right? But it's if you are mentally invested in a position, mentally invested in an organization, um, once that energy sinks up, you are able to do great things for that organization where you're going to stick around and the money will come eventually. Find that purpose and find other people with similar purposes that help that purpose go forward. Jenny, over to you for final thoughts. Um, I want to thank you guys for having me. This is a crazy, interesting experience. <laughs> I've never been interviewed before. I have talked about myself for an hour and a half before, but um, <laughs> <laughs> so I appreciate you finding value in it. And I hope that uh, I hope that this is the beginning for other women to kind of latch on to this and maybe find their own thing. That uh, that they can do to um, to help themselves and and people in their life and hopefully you know it's the start of something really awesome. So thank you for giving me a little a little uh, springboard here. Oh, you're certainly more than welcome. I'm going to take this opportunity right here to step in with my final thoughts today and say, Jenny, I can't thank you enough for coming on the program, agreeing to be on let alone actually showing up and being here to be on, you know? There's some people that say, yeah, I would love to do something like that. And then when it comes down to it, they just, like, vanish, you know? Like like you would give the house to the snake. It's kind of the same thing. Like, they're like, yeah, you guys have a good time. I'll be over here. So they walk on. But you did it. You sat down. You did it. You shared so much valuable stuff with us. I mean, from the Salem Witch Trials to, like, everything in the in Europe and then $13, the coast, the starting the new the story is freaking amazing like i don't understand right now how you have not written a book about your adventures yet because there yeah. there's a story to be written there and a story to be told on video at some point in time people say that to me all the time <laughs> and, and maybe maybe the storyboards that would lay it out would all be stick figures to start and then you fill them in with like <laughs> names above them george clooney <laughs> you know like whoever the names of the actors you want them to be just right over the stick figures that's all um but honestly, it's been a pleasure. It truly has. And I would like to ask you uh, bluntly right now, while we're recording still, do you agree that maybe in the future you come back and let us know where you are in this journey, how things are going, oh, where, where awesome. things have panned out? Yeah, that would be awesome. All right. I love it. I love it. <laughs> hey, uh, what are some of the best ways people could find you? So for today, right now, uh, you can find me on Instagram on the dot budget bombshell um you can find me on facebook 
under the budget bombshell. Um, and then coming very, very soon, um, I'll have my blog up at thebudgetbombshell.net. And Ladies hopefully and from there, we'll, we'll take over the world. So right. I might be on Tickety Talk. I might be on, <laughs> I might be on YouTube. Uh, we're we're going to start off small. I'm just going to keep on cutting my teeth and getting, gaining momentum. I love it. Ladies and gentlemen, Jenny <laughs> Bryan. Mr. Baez, what are some of the best ways people can find us, sir? We are on Baezco.com. You can call us or text us, 407-501-8425. We are on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Ikitaki, and LinkedIn. Just find us. Just look for the streaming face um, or wherever you download your favorite podcast platform. We will be there. Give us a like. Let us know what you feel. Let us know what you think about the show. We really appreciate it. Speaking about your favorite podcast platform, a special shout out to iHeartRadio. Thanks for picking us up and continuing to carry things. Always great to hear us in the car when you're on that drive. On behalf of Jenny Bryant, Ricky Baez, associate producer Rob, who's not here, and the beloved Honey Pooh. It's been our pleasure to be here tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, drive safe. Have a good night. I'm going to give me a fungal. That was so fun.